If you got your Bibles tonight, go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 12. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. As the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? What's the answer to those questions? No, they're certainly a part of the body. Why would they think they're not a part of the body? Because they're not a different body part than what they are. Wrong thinking. Comparison. Looking and comparing. Not valuing the part that you are. And having romantic infatuation and ideas about the body part you idolize. Not realizing that being that part has its positives and challenges too. Every body part has its graces and would have things to overcome in its areas. But if the whole body were an eye, where's the hearing? Wouldn't be any. If the whole were hearing, where's the smelling? Wouldn't have any. But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. Are you a member in the body of Christ? Are you a body part? Yeah, you are. Did the Lord make a mistake making you what you are? Certainly not. Should you say like Paul, I magnify my office. I glory in what God has made me and called me to be. I can appreciate what other people have and what they do, but that's not what the Lord gave me. I need to be thankful for what he gave me. And you don't want to belittle it, run it down just because it's in you and on you because you didn't give it to yourself. You didn't create yourself. You didn't recreate yourself. So when Paul said, I magnify my office, he's not bragging on himself because he didn't call himself. He didn't grace himself. He didn't anoint himself. He's magnifying something the Lord's done. And we should do the same, shouldn't we? We've been on this series for some weeks now called Graces and Places. And one thing we saw is that every one of us has been made a specific body part to fit in a specific place. And every one of us has been given specific grace or graces and gifts, giftings, that enable us to be that body part and to fill that place and to do that job. And do you think it's important that we find out, before we die and get out of here, that we find out what we're called to be and be it? What our graces are and develop in them. And is this an area where the body of Christ is woefully ignorant? Oh, it is. It's terrible. It's terrible that you got people all over the place. You know, they've bounced around from this church to that church. They've tried this and tried that. And they changed their major nine times in college. And now they've changed churches five times in the last three years. And changed jobs and changed spouses too. 
People, you know, they just try stuff. A good friend of mine said about, 1 John talks about try the spirits. He said, that don't mean like the ice cream shop. You know, 39 flavors. Try every one of them. (laughs) No. You're not supposed to try everything. And eventually hope by the process of elimination. That you might, by chance, land upon something. No. God's intelligent. We're supposed to be. He's supposed to be able to communicate with us and direct us specifics. We're just one body part with a very short life and short windows of opportunity. We don't have years to flop around, wander around, and waste, and start over nine times. Did y'all hear me? And yet this is what such a big part of the body of Christ is doing. It's sad because people have not been taught these things. And haven't emphasized them. That's one of the parts we're going to get into and emphasize tonight. Some of the biggest reasons why people are not finding and filling their places. You know, it's been preached that you really can't know the will of God. It's one of those unknowable things. And we just kind of bounce around and hope it's the will of God. Or then leaders have taught that everything that happens is the will of God. And the reason why people have been so confused is because the leaders have been so unspiritual. They've been bumping around. Did you hear me? Everything produces after its own kind. Not to imply that we've arrived or that I know all that much about it, but thank God at least we can see the Bible says don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. At least we have a revelation to understand we can find out why we're here, what we're supposed to be doing, where we're supposed to be. Now, he's not going to show us the whole thing. We've got to walk by faith. But how many know you need to know at least enough to get you in the right spot, to get you going the right direction? And the Bible said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Can we be led by the Spirit of God? The Bible said the Spirit of God causes us to know that we're the sons of God. Well, if He can cause you to know that, if He bears witness with your spirit and causes you to know that, why couldn't He let you know something else? Sometimes people look at you shocked if you say, you know, the Lord spoke this to me or the Lord directed that to me. And I'm usually always, you hear me say it all the time, I say, I didn't hear an audible voice. I'm trying to clarify But the Lord spoke something to my heart. And a lot of times you say that, people look at you shocked. Like, is he saying he heard from God? (laughs) Well, have you read the Bible? The Bible is full of people hearing from God. Isn't it? One fellow was sarcastic and negative. He said, all these people, all hearing from God all the time. Hearing God told me, God told me. All these people supposed to be hearing from God bothers me. Another fellow spoke up and said, it's all these people that never hear from God that bother me. (laughs) Now granted, there's been a lot of folks said, the Lord said, and he didn't say it. That's just them talking. But it doesn't do away with the truth. That God speaks to his children. He communicates with us if we listen. Every child of God has a right 
to be led personally 24-7 by the Holy Spirit of God. If you'll learn how he communicates and pay attention and follow him, you can be led in even the small affairs of life. Make all the difference in your life. If this is new to your ears, if you haven't heard it before, friend, take some initiative and dig into these materials. We've got materials on how to be led, the Spirit-led life. Yes, we've got a couple of them, right? Amen. And so there's a lot of things out there. And remember, no charge no means no excuse for not knowing it and not having it because it'll cost you a thing. So take advantage of it. The Lord said, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And because they've rejected knowledge. So you don't want to do either one. You don't want to just be ignorant of it. And you don't want to pass up the opportunity. To get it when it was available to you. How many would agree and tell folks. That this sounds strange or new to you. That one of the most important things. You could ever learn in this life. Is how to be led by the spirit of God. Oh. oh, My my. You're not going to make it like you should. Unless you learn that. And it's easier than you might think. Now you won't learn all about it in three or four days. You'll learn more about it the rest of your life but oh thank God for the light that you can get immediately so every one of us has been given graces every one of us has been given a place and we talked about specific things you can be turning to Romans 12 Romans 12th chapter we talked about different things that help you to identify your call we talked about how that God has foreordained The locations where people are born and live and operate and the associations of who you come up around and who you're joined to, the Lord knows then from the beginning. He knows who will follow him and believe in him before they ever accept him. (laughs) And so he's got his hand on them. Even sometimes they're unbelieving parents. Did you hear me? And God will do things for people because of those that loved him with all their heart and saved him four generations ago. Did you hear me? He'll do things for their great grandkids. He is good. So he is involved in directing us even when we don't know it and who he has us around and where he has us call and desire deep calls to deep and when something comes up that has to do with your call it'll go off in you it'll excite you you'll want to be a part of it and that's the thing you ought to pursue and you ought not let anything hold you out of it so many people are so easily deterred any little thing and they'll just get discouraged and quit. No, when something jumps up in your heart and you go oh glory to God yes Well, as sure as that happens, the devil will come the very next day and tell you 93 reasons why it could never happen for you. And you need to jump up and tell him he's a liar and get out of your face and get out of your house and set your face that you're going after it. And start talking the word saying all things are possible to him that believes. And we begin to see that desire is a part of this. For one thing, the Bible said God is working in us to will and to do of all his good pleasure. He actually puts desires in us. 
And then our desire needs to join his desire and we need to separate ourselves and give ourselves to what he has called us to and put in us. We talked about ease and expertise. The last one was locations and associations. But we talked about ease and expertise. There are graces and gifting some things you're born with. And then others are added to you when you're born again. Others might be added to you when you're filled with the Spirit. Or later on in your life that things can be added to you. Graces and giftings. And when they're in you, it enables you to do things with ease. That other people find challenging and difficult. It's obvious they are graced, they're gifted, talented, somebody might say. And they're using it seeking fame and fortune. They should be using it in the kingdom of God. It was something they were born with. It's a gift. They think it's just because they're amazing. And I can do that. I'm just one of those special people. No, everybody has grace and giftings. Some live and die, never identify them, never develop them. But they're there. I said they're there. Make up your mind, you're going to develop in yours. And realize that it's closer than you think. You may have already developed in it to a degree and just you're not putting it together. But I'm believing and we're believing together, aren't we? That that's one of the reasons why the Lord has us on this. That things are going to come together for us. Hmm? A lot of times seed planted in you, even in these times, it'll bear fruit in days and months to come. You'll just be sitting in your house and go, oh, I see that. You'll be riding down the road and go, that's where that fits. That's why that, oh, glory to God. And it'll help secure you in your place. You'll see, I need to yield to that more. That's something I'm graced in. And oh, I'm excited. How many know the ideal situation is that you are nurturing the little ones? From the time they're old enough to understand anything, you're doing things and got them in the Word and got the Spirit of God in the environment where the Spirit of God is manifesting around them so that they are able to identify these things early. You know, yielding to the Spirit, being led, walking by faith just seems like natural to them because that's all they've ever known. That's the will of God. It's easier to learn when you're five than when you're 50. And you got a head full of worldliness and ungodliness that you got to get out of there and uh, get your mind renewed. But you can. I said, but thank God you can. Romans 12 talks about it. Are you there, Romans 12? Romans 12 and verse 1. said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How's it going to happen? By the renewing. Of your mind. Now let's just stop right here. Does that mean your thinking's going to change? Your thinking's going to change. How you think, how you see things is going to change. And it's changing from conformity to the world, then it's going to be different from the world. You should see things differently than unsaved people do. 
radically differently. You should think differently. You should see it differently. You should operate differently. And it shouldn't be something that you're trying to put on for a show. It's just the way you operate. It just comes out of you. Unsaved people and people that don't know God, they'll look at you and go, huh? What? Because they're going this way and you're going that way. They're flowing in death. You're flowing in life. They're flowing in fear. You're flowing in faith. They're living in darkness. You're walking in light. That is radically different, isn't it? Now, if nobody can tell, you know, that you're saved, we'll work with you for 20 years and can't tell any difference from you and other people that never go to church and know anything about God, something's wrong. I'm not talking about trying to be obnoxious or trying to push Jesus down people's throat. I'm just talking about mind renewal. Think differently. See it differently. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Does this have to do with what we're talking about? Yeah, the will of God. The will of God for our life. The devil has a perfect will for your life. I should say had. (laughs) If you got born again, you have already missed the devil's perfect will for your life. Yeah. (laughs) Because his perfect will was for you to stay blind and lost. Go to hell with him. But you missed it. You missed the devil's perfect will. (laughs) Well, he has uh, an acceptable will. For you, he has to drop back to then if you missed his perfect will. And that's for you to go to heaven. Now. (laughs) Get out of here now. So that you don't influence anybody. For Jesus. Are you listening now? Accident, disease, crime, car wreck. He don't care. As long as you're out. Quick. (laughs) And if he can't get that one done. There's the other drop back position. To just keep you scared and ineffective. And even though you are alive. Keep you asleep. Dull. And unaware. Long as you're not influencing anybody. Long as your light's not shining. But God has a perfect will for you. But our minds need to be renewed with the word of God so we can discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And there's some rich things to help us lock in. I mean lock and hone in on this. How many would like to be locked in? On the perfect will of God. Like a guidance beam that you are locked on. (laughs) I know in flying. This thing called an ILS. Instrument landing system. And when the weather's bad like it's been. That is your friend. (laughs) It's a beam. Equipment that shoots a beam. From the end of the runway. Up into the air. Miles and miles and way up. And you have equipment on your plane, and you find that beam, and you lock onto it. 
and then usually the autopilot or you can do it by hand, but you follow that beam and you ride that beam right down and it keeps you from hitting trees and houses and, and anything like that. And it takes you and you know the snow is blowing and it's cold or it's pitch dark and you can't see a thing and all at once at 200 feet, boom, there's the runway lights and you're so happy to see them. You go, all right. <laughs> well, how many know there's a beam? There's a Holy Ghost beam. Thank you, Lord. And if you lock on to it, He will guide you past the obstacles and the dangers and snares. Are you listening? He's got a plan for you, and it'll get brighter and brighter, and He'll take you right to the perfect will and plan of God for your life that He foreordained for you before you were born. Do you believe it? Do you believe you have the equipment on board? To latch on to that signal and follow him in. Yes. The Bible said he would guide us and then afterward receive us to glory. Didn't he say that? He'd guide us with his counsel and afterwards receive us to glory. Somebody said that's what happens to me. Yes. Verse 3, he said, I say through the grace given to me to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, if faith comes by hearing the word, how has God dealt to every man the measure of faith? Because he's also the one that gave you the opportunity to hear the word. And gave you an opening of ears. Are you listening? To discern it. To understand it. To get faith from it. He said for as we have many members in one body. And all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ. And every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing. According to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy. Let us prophesy according to the proportion of our faith. You know when people hear the word prophecy. Uh, So many folks, their mind runs to prediction. And yet, there's so much more to prophecy than that. Actually, in the simple manifestation of prophecy, there is no prediction. The Bible said you may all prophesy one by one. Any believer that yielded the Spirit could prophesy. That sounds strange to folks, but it's the truth. It wouldn't make you a prophet or prophetess. And yet, the Spirit of God could come on you, and things could just roll out of you that you didn't think up. Did you hear me? And it would encourage the person that's hearing it, strengthen them, comfort them. You know, we ought to be looking for this every time we're around somebody, friends, family, fellow believers that's hurting, that's going through something. Say, Lord, help me. Give me the words. And just be willing to try to express love. And a lot of times, something will come up from the inside you didn't think of. It's inspired. And you see that it helped them, it ministered them, it strengthened them, lifted them up. Well, that's grace. That's gifting. That's anointing. Ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Teaching, on our teaching. He that exhorts, on exhortation. He that gives, let him do it with simplicity. How many of there's an anointing for giving? Everybody can give. But then the Lord might specially anoint you to give. I mean, by the grace of God, you could make more money accidentally than other people do on purpose. Right? You could just, everything you do, money, big piles of money just roll in. And God make you a distributor. 
Thank you, Lord. And that's just as much a call as somebody preaching behind a pulpit. It's a different body part. Everybody doesn't fit in the same round or square or triangular slot. How many know there's more body parts than round, square, and triangular? Have you ever checked your body out? There's a lot of body parts. And they're not all the same. That's the way the body of Christ is. Just as many body parts and different and varied body parts as the human body. He said, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, and all these things he's talking about, you're doing what? Serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. Now go back to verse 1. We know this is talking about the body parts and their different graces and their different places, but we need to see how it started with verse 1. Because this is something he told us to do, and it obviously is connected with us finding and filling our place. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what? Present your bodies, a living sacrifice. Let me read another translation or two of that with you. God's Word translation said, brothers and sisters, in view of all that we've just shared about God's compassion, I encourage you to offer your bodies a living sacrifices dedicated to God and pleasing to Him. This kind of worship is appropriate for you. This is worship. Worship is not limited to a few minutes on Sunday morning while the choir sings. The way you live can be worship. Weymouth says, I plead with you, brethren, by the compassions of God, to present all your faculties to him as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to him. This with you will be an act of reasonable worship. Present all your faculties to him. What what do you do with all your faculties? Present them to him. Now, I'll get ahead of myself and then come back, but we're talking about how you can lay hold of that being. You do what? Present yourself, present your body, present your faculties. We could also say your giftings. He talks about them in the next few verses. Your graces. Present yourself, what you are, what you have, to the Lord. As a living, not a sacrifice that you lay on the altar and and kill it and burn it, but a living sacrifice. And this is an act of worship. The WEB says, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. This is your spiritual service. Everybody say, present yourself. yourself. Say it again, present yourself. Now, this is one of the great things I love about the Lord. He owns us several times over. He owns us by right of creation. He made us. When you make something, it's yours to do with what you want to. He made us. And gave us a free will. And man lost himself. 
through sin. And so the creator who made man came back and bought us. Bought his own creation through the precious blood of the Lamb. Redeemed us from our sin. Bought us. So now he owns us twice over. By creation and by redemption. Not only that, he sustains us every millisecond. You understand that? You couldn't take another breath. You couldn't have another thought. You couldn't blink your eyes. He, you know, he didn't just create the planet and the universe. How many understand? It takes a lot of power to keep our sun burning, to keep the planets in their orbits, gravity working. Oh, the throne of God is such an, I'd have to talk in tongues to try to describe what kind of place it is because all the power for all this comes from there. And everything is upheld by the word of his power. So we're talking about at least three times over, he owns us. I mean, he could cut off our breath, boom. He could cut off our light to our mind, synapses that are firing in our mind. Everything we have comes from him. Life, breath, everything. And yet, even though he owns us by creation, by redemption, by continual sustaining, he hands us the keys and says, serve me if you will. It's up to you. I said, that's one of the great things I love about him, because of how he is with this. If you got some smarts, what would you do with your creator who has made you, who has redeemed you, who sustains you every second? What would you do? You would come and present yourself back to him, wouldn't you? Which is just your reasonable service and worship. And doing that, oh, glory to God, doing that opens the door and gives him the right to put his hand on you. Come on now, because whatever belongs to him, he has a right to direct, to guide, to take, are you listening to me, to take care of. Look in uh, 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. Say it out loud while you're turning over there. Present yourself. yourself. Say it again. Present yourself. yourself. 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. He said, present your body. In 1 Corinthians 6, 13, he said, meats for the belly, belly for the meats. God shall destroy both it and them. None of it's going to last very long. Now, the body's not for fornication. That wasn't why it was created. A lot of people think it is, but... But it was created, why? For the Lord. And what does the next phrase say? And the Lord for the body. Say it out loud. The body for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. There's so many Christians that the Lord's not able to take care of certain things with their life. Because they've taken it out of his hands. They haven't given him to say so over it. They're still driving. Now, if you got a luxury car and you use it to haul garbage and use it for a four-wheel drive and, and take it out to the uh, demolition derby and you're all messed up and you come back and you know who to take it to, you take it to the Lord. Well, he can fix it. Sure he can. But he's going to want to know. What you been doing? 
I thought this was supposed to be my car. See, he can only be responsible. He only has a right. And I know some folk don't like that word, but it's just the truth. He set it up this way. He only has a right to keep, to protect, to prosper, to provide for what is given to him. Not just in empty words, but what is truly given to him. Which is why he says, come present yourself. For what? Why are you presenting yourself? You're saying, Lord, here I am. My mind, my body, my spirit, my money, my stuff, everything I am, everything I've got is available to you. You do with it what you want to. I'm ready to follow you. Now, if you really do that from your heart, he is able to take responsibility for it. And keep it up. And take care of it. Oh come on. To heal it. To provide for it. But as soon as you say. Nah. I'm not serving the Lord. With my body anymore. I'm going to serve sin. I'm not serving the Lord with my mind. I'm going to think bad stuff. I'm going to serve sin. I'm not going to serve the Lord with my money. With my finances. I'm going to serve sin. Well. He's going to let you. You got a free will. You can do what you want. But then is he obligated to keep you real strong and healthy so you can sin more? <laughs> keep you plenty of money so you can lie and steal and hurt people? And You see what I'm talking about. The more space we give him in our lives, the more freedom he has to manifest things in us. If it's not this way, you know, why not just do everything for everybody? He has to be just. He has to be fair. If he does something for us that he wasn't able to do for somebody else because they didn't give him the space and place, there has to be a reason. We have to have given him the space. Somebody say, present yourself. Say it again, present yourself. Now, go with me to uh, John 19. If you look up this word, present, Basically, the definition of the word means proffer, P-R-O-F-F-E-R. Proffer is the English word. It means to put before someone for acceptance. It means to offer or to volunteer. That word volunteer is a very important word because you see the free will element here, don't you? The Lord doesn't make people do things. I've had preachers want to argue with me about that. Come down after the service and get in my face. Well, now let's tell you one thing, preacher. God is God. He gets ready for you to do something. By golly, you're going to do it. <laughs> Brother Hagin, my father in the faith who's in heaven. Now he said he was teaching on, you know, that God won't make you do things. And a fellow jumped up in the crowd. And interrupted him and just began to rant that, oh, yes, God's God. He's almighty. He's omniscient. And, and what he says goes and, and he will make you. And Brother Hagin said he heard the words coming out of his mouth. He didn't even mean to say it. He just raised his hand and said, well, if he will, why don't he make you pay your tithes? <laughs> How did he know the man didn't pay? He said the man ducked down behind the seat. <laughs> well, the... 
the Lord wouldn't normally do something like that. He don't want to embarrass people. But this guy's bold and brazen, jumping up, interrupting a man of God in the middle of a holy teaching. And so God just told off on him right there in front of everybody. The Lord don't make you do things. He doesn't make you get saved. He doesn't make you go to church. He doesn't make you pray. He doesn't make you read your Bible. He won't make you obey Him. He gave us a free will. He didn't make Adam and Eve leave the tree alone and obey Him. He gave us a choice. He gave us a free will. And so this is very, very important that we voluntarily present ourselves bring ourselves to him put ourselves before him our lives what we are what we have available to him for his consideration for his use it's humbling yourself before God isn't it and it's vital and it is such a big key to you finding and filling your place being what you're supposed to be. How I many understand none of us are going to get where we're supposed to get or be what we're supposed to be without His help continuously every day. He's going to have to take us by the hand, lead us, guide us, train us, get us there. What gives Him a right to do that for us and He's not able to do it for other people? It would only be because we presented ourselves to Him. We yielded to Him and kept presenting ourselves to Him and following Him. Actually, nine times that same word, present, is translated standing by. Standing by. How many know you need to be on standby for the Lord? What does standby mean? Ready. Available and ready. And, of course, that word available and ready, let me give you those definitions. Available means suitable and ready for use. At hand. Available as opposed to what? Unavailable. How many of us a lot of Christians are unavailable? Aren't they? They just are. Ready. Ready means completely prepared. In fit condition for immediate action or use. (laughs) Don't you like that? Completely prepared. Ready. This is definition of ready. Completely prepared. In fit condition for immediate action or use. Another definition just simply says immediately available for use. When available? What if you're not available right now? You're not ready. What if you'll soon be ready? You're not ready. What if you're getting ready? You're not ready. And listen, saints, one thing carries over to another. Little things are not so little in this regard. Christians, church-going people, some of Christians and church-going people are some of the latest dragging around people. Always late. Always not ready. But you hear how quiet it got. (laughs) And listen, if you're that way in the natural I assure you, you're that way spiritually. Because everything natural comes out of the spiritual. And people like to imagine, you know, well, I'm a mess naturally, but inside I'm super spirit man and super spirit. No, the outside is a reflection of the inside. 
lot of folk didn't like that. <laughs> no. If you're getting ready, you're not ready. Well, let's go over ready again. What's ready? Completely prepared, in fit condition for immediate use, action or use. Ready is what? You're there. Let's go. <laughs> Almost ready is what? Not ready. Not ready. Getting ready is not ready. Not ready. <laughs> Let me remind you of some things Jesus taught. Jesus taught whole lessons on being ready. Didn't he? You remember any of them or not? It's not just my idea now. Uh, where are you? I don't know if I'm quite ready. <laughs> For John 19. Matthew 25. Let's do that. Then we'll go to John 19. (laughs) Matthew 25. Verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. And the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. They were thinking ahead, weren't they? What were they doing? They were preparing in case they needed it so they'd be ready. So they'd be what? While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go out to meet him. And some of them said, I'm just about ready. I'll soon be there. Y'all wait for me. Do you know why people are not ready? Consistently late all the time. Lack of respect. And lack of priorities. Or I should say improper priorities. So many times people are doing all kind of stuff instead of getting ready. They're supposed to be getting ready. They're like physically getting ready to go somewhere. They're supposed to be getting ready. But they're cleaning house and they're watching TV and they're messing with the dog and they're doing this and doing that. And the reason is they don't care if somebody waits on them. Because they consider their time to be more important than whoever's waiting on them. It's lack of respect. And it's not being led. Because there's something chewing on them all the time. Leave that alone and get ready. Leave that alone and get ready. Quit doing that and get ready. But no. They're going to do it their way. Because they're rebellious. Did you hear me? And they don't care. How long somebody has to wait? They kind of like making an entrance anyway. I'm not just talking about being late for an appointment, this or that. The problem is, if you do that consistently, you'll be late for important stuff. Because that's just how you operate. And I understand what we're about to read. You don't want to be late on this. So the smart person would get that stuff changed in the little stuff so you don't miss it on the big stuff. Keep reading. Go out to meet him, verse 6 said. All the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. And that is so typical of people that are irresponsible and lazy and not led. Then they want to make it your problem. You take care of it. Well, (laughs) like one fellow said, your lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. 
you're spazzing and messed up because you didn't listen and you didn't get ready. And you want to make it my problem? No, it's not my problem. It's your problem. Did you hear me, friends? Don't let people do this to you. Don't let them, through their lack of planning and irresponsibility, come drop a bomb on you and try to push you and pressure you and get you to straighten it all out and make it happen for them because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Well, they got mad and upset. Well, they'll get over it. A lot of people get upset. What are you going to do? Nothing. It's not my problem. (laughs) Maybe you'll listen next time. Maybe you'll do what you're supposed to do. How many still we got too much laxness and rebellion and irresponsibility and so people come up short and, and then instead of taking responsibility and go, yeah, I didn't listen. I should have been getting ready. Instead of doing that and being honest, then they want to blame you and make it your fault. Make it your problem. Let's don't do that. That's childish. That's dishonest. That's irresponsible. So they said, you know what? Well, come on. You got to give us some of your oil. And they said, uh, no, we don't. No, we brought this for a reason, and now we need it, and so that's why we brought it. You're going to have to go get yours now. And verse 10, while they went to buy, what are they doing? Getting ready, which means what? If you're getting ready, what if you're almost ready? Not ready. (laughs) Not ready. The bridegroom came. Now let's just stop here. How many understand the enemy wants you to miss your divine appointments? But he cannot just mess up the schedule that God would have you on without your cooperation. He has to have things that you'll yield to like laziness and rebellion. Did you hear me? If you yield to stuff like that, then he can get in there and entice you and preoccupy you and have you doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing instead of being ready. I'm not just talking about getting ready for service or getting ready for work or going to school. Now, this is much bigger than this. The Lord will bring something up in your heart and you'll know, I need to get on that. I need to get that in good shape. I need to uh, uh, work on that. I need to fix that. I need to prepare on that. I need to study on that. I need to, you know, and we need to understand that when something like that comes up, it's not by accident. It's not just a random thing. What's the Lord trying to do? What's he trying to? He's trying to get us ready. Because he knows things we don't know. He sees the future. He knows what's coming up. And he's endeavoring to get us ready. If we listen to him and get on it, we'll be ready every time. If we procrastinate, if we ignore it, if it's not important to us, we'll be caught unprepared. And it'll be so much harder for us. You keep doing it consistently, you can miss some things. How many know it pays to obey? Pays to obey. The bridegroom came. The others are out, scrambling around, trying to find oil shops that are open late at night because they were goofing off when the other guys were getting ready, and now they're not ready. And read that next phrase for me. Who got used? Who went in? Tell me who went in. Who got used? Who, Who got the place? The place inside. Who got, there were places inside. Who got in those places? The ones that were ready. So who got to partake of the things that happened inside? The ones that were ready. Say it out loud, the ones that were ready. They that were ready. 
They that were ready. They were there. They weren't scrambling around trying to find it and get ready. They were ready. They were prepared. Now, let me ask you again. Why did these guys go to these extra effort? Because it was important to them. Come on, are you listening? It was important to them. And they wanted to make sure that nothing hindered them from being there and being prepared. And if it went a little longer than what everybody thought it would, they weren't going to have to leave. They're going to take extra oil. They're going to be prepared to stay as long as it takes to be there so that they're not scrambling around trying to get ready. They are ready. Why did they make the extra preparation? Tell me again. Why? Because it was important to them. Why did the others not? Eh, I think we'll be okay. There's a phrase popular and bannered around among a lot of people, particularly teenagers nowadays. Whatever. That's an ungodly phrase. Whatever. 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 Well, did you do this? Nah. Are you going to go check on that? Yeah, nah. But what if this was, ah, whatever. That kind of attitude will cause you to be running around somewhere else when other people get to enjoy some good stuff and miss out. Who got in? They that were ready. Now go with me to John, please. John 19. And uh, down about verse 25 or so. This is the where Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's just about to give up his spirit. Right at the point of facing death. And John 19 and 25 said there. Now there stood by. The cross of Jesus, his mother. And let's just stop right here. Did you remember that term, standby? It's actually one of the words that's translated present. The same word is some nine times, same word, translated standby or stood by. What, what does it mean to be standing by? You're there. You're present. You're available for immediate use or action. <laughs> Come on, can you see this? What are they doing? They stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple, what was he doing? Standing by. Or the same Greek word, presenting himself. He's there. Standing by. Whom he loved. He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then said he to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour that disciple took her to his own home. The only one of the disciples that was chosen for this responsibility. And how many expect this shall be remembered throughout eternity as the man at the cross? That stood up and said, yes, master, I'll be glad to look after your mother. What an honor. Would you agree? What an honor. How many think you'd be remembered forever? What a responsibility and an honor. Why him? He was the only one of the twelve there. 
Who else of the twelve would it have been? None of them were there. Why him? One glaring reason. He was the only one there. He was available. Why weren't the other ones there? Whatever reasons they had for not being there, he could have had too. Why wouldn't he had the same reason? They were afraid, weren't they? They were afraid of personal loss. That's why they weren't there. They were afraid it would cost them. They were afraid they might grab them up and put them on a cross too. Weren't they? You don't think those thoughts went through John's mind? He's going to stand out there, publicly identify with Jesus, stand by his cross, let the whole world know. How many understand? On this day, it is not popular to be a disciple of Jesus. I believe it came through his mind just like it did the other guy's mind. I don't think he cared. If that's what it costs, that's what it costs. He made up his mind. I'm going. That's my Lord. That's my master. I'm going to be there. And so he went through what it took. And he endured what it took. I don't know if people were cussing him and yelling him, throwing stuff at him. I don't know what was going on. I mean, this is a bad situation. But he's there. Does this inspire you? It does me. He's there. Ready. Ready to live. Ready to die. Ready to do anything. When the Lord looked down, because he was there, he was ready. He's the one the Lord said. Take care of her, would you? Gladly. Ready. Who gets used? Help me out. Who gets used? Who gets in the places? Who gets to be a part of the glorious things? And old friend, beware, beware of the excuse. Because the enemy is very wily. And he has a way of convincing people that you just can't do it. You just, you know, you'd like to, but you just can't. None of the rest of the guys were there. They were convinced they couldn't be there. John could have believed any of the reasons they believed. No different. But he was there. Tells you something about the man, doesn't it? <laughs> I tell you what. We said earlier, you know, dying for the Christian is not the worst thing that can happen to you. You know what? One of the worst things can happen to a child of God? Living as a coward. Living as a coward. Coward, living in fear, is the exact opposite of living by faith. Faith is not for the faint of heart. Faith is for the courageous, the brave. And oh, I'm telling you, we've been created after God's own image. The master's likeness and image is in us. And how many know he's anything except a coward? And so the greater one is in us. That courage is in us. We haven't been given the spirit of fear. Have we? What spirit have we been given? Power. Love. 
sound mind. It was love that had John out there, and it was power that kept him out there. And he was, how many understand, everybody else is thinking, you're crazy, you got to get out of here, they'll kill you too. But he had a different thought. His mind was renewed to a different way of seeing and thinking, and he knew if he did die out there with the master, lots worse things could happen than that. But him hiding and not being there, if the master needed him, would be far worse than him dying today. How many know we got to get our mind renewed? Saving our little life and extending a few days to our little time down here cannot be number one priority. Serving the Lord has got to be number one. If that means living for Him, okay. If it means dying for Him, okay. Serving Him, number one. Can you see it? Do you believe it? Why did He get used? Why did He get that place? He was there. He was the only one of the twelve that was there. Luke 14. Go over there. Let's remind ourselves of this. Why would the Lord be talking to us about this? Huh? Things are coming up, right? Who's going to get used? Who's going to get promoted? Who's going to get in certain places and be a part of certain things? Who's going to do it? People that are ready. You present yourself. In uh, Luke 14, Jesus taught. Verse 15, a person that was sitting there eating with him, he brought this up to the master. He said, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And Jesus began to teach. He said, a certain man made a great supper and bade or invited many, many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. They're ready when? Now. Now, now who's talking? This is the master. When the Lord says, I'm ready for you to do this now. <laughs> Tell me the only acceptable response. <laughs> yes, sir, then I am ready to do it now. How many understand it is entirely inappropriate to make him wait? To say, Lord, <laughs> let me get back with you. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it is happening all over the planet, all over the place. That's interesting. But I'm just not, I'm not to think about that. No, he said he's ready now. (laughs) The head of the church is ready now. (laughs) Tell me again the only acceptable response. How many understand as soon as the sound of his last word begins to fade out, you should be moving. Is that wrong or not? If the Lord says, I'm ready now, what's supposed to happen? Well, let's hold a prayer meeting. Let's, uh, I need to counsel. (laughs) No, you need to move. (laughs) Are y'all with me, friends? You need to move. 
He said, I'm ready. Everything's ready now. And they all, with one consent, every one of them, begin to do what? Make excuse. The first one said, I bought a piece of ground, and I've got to go and see it. I pray you have me excused, because I got to go. Check on this land deal. Another one said, well, I've got some new equipment. Five yoke of oxen, and uh, I paid a lot for them, and I've I got to see that they work like they're supposed to because that's my business, and and I got to do it. Sorry, uh, I pray have me excused. Another one said, you know, I just got married, and so I cannot come. You understand? And so the Lord sent back a reply and said, sure. <laughs> I understand, you know, everybody's busy nowadays, and uh, I know you've got a lot going on. Y'all are important people, and you got stuff going. And I understand. Y'all just come when you can. I tell you what, you just let me know when you're ready. <laughs> when y'all get through checking your land out and working your oxen and You've been married a little while and you feel better about it. Y'all let me know. And I'll get stuff ready again and we can have a party then. Tell me the response of the Lord who represents the master in this story. What's his response? Help me out. What? The servant came and showed his Lord these things. And the master of the house being angry. Does the Lord get angry? Is he justified in his anger? There's nothing evil about it, but it's justifiable. Some people, you know, try to leave the impression, if if you're really saved, if you're really a man or woman of God, you would never get angry. The Lord himself gets angry. No, the Bible didn't say never get angry. What did it say? Be angry and what? Don't sin. Don't yield to your anger and do something wrong. Say something wrong. Be in control of yourself. But friends, when you love the Lord... You're going to have some passion about you. Come on now. When things are important to you, when they mean something to you, you're going to have some fervency of spirit. So you'll get joyful and you'll laugh and shout. And you might get mad too. But you should be in control. Don't sin just because you get mad. He's angry. What do you say? He said, you go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and you bring in here the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it's done as you commanded, and yet there's still room. Now, this is a sad phrase. You know why there's still so much room? Because so many people that were invited are not coming. Because they got other stuff. They're preoccupied. Now, this is the heart of what we're on tonight. Why do so many, I'm talking about saved people, people that get born again, people that go to church, never find their places, they never develop in their graces, it's because they're not interested, they're preoccupied with their life and their stuff and their goals and what they're doing, and they're just disinterested, they're apathetic concerning the plan of God and the things, they're not pursuing it, and even when the Lord calls. They won't come. 
And that's why many are called, but few are chosen. And the Bible also said, you know, the Lord talking about those that are called, not many, he said, that are called are the wise and what the world would see as having ability. A lot of the ones that the Lord winds up calling and using are the foolish and the weak. You know why? They were available. (laughs) Come on, it's the truth. They were available. Who got in the party? Who had a place at the table? That the master prepared. They got to fellowship with him. At his banquet. We're talking about places. We're talking about grace. Who got in there? Blind. Halt. Withered. You know why? He went out in the street. Guys standing around. They said. You want to come to the master's banquet? They didn't have to check their calendar. (laughs) (laughs) They did not have to say. Well I don't know. I got this going. I got to go. They said sure. Because nobody's inviting them. But when they did get invited, it meant something to them. They thought, yeah, when you want me to come? Right now. I'm coming. Lead on. You ready now? I'm ready now. That's who got in the place. That's who got used. Are you seeing something that keeps coming up again and again? Are you seeing this recurring thing? He said... There's still room. The Lord said to his servant, go to the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Does that represent the Lord? It does. A lot of people don't want to believe that that's the case. But here's the thing. If you don't value it, you're not worthy of it. I said, if you don't value it, if you and I don't value the things of the Lord, the opportunities of the Lord, we're not worthy of them. Somebody else will value it. They will appreciate it. And they won't tell the Lord to wait. And they'll jump up and move. And that means they ought to have it. Because it means something to them. Are you with me, friends? What does our text say again in Romans 12? What are you to do with your body, with your life, with your faculties, your facilities? Present yourself. Present yourself. Present yourself. 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. Turn there, please. 2 Corinthians 8. Listen with your spirit for the next few minutes on this. It's not something that your head would necessarily get all of. But you can get the spirit of it. Has to do with this one phrase. Present yourself. Present yourself. In uh, 2 Corinthians. The 8th chapter. He's talking about an offering. And if you've been around here. We've gone into great detail. Teaching about offerings. And what makes them acceptable. And here he talks about that. And if you remember our text. What did it say? Present yourself uh, holy, acceptable. In this passage it says, verse uh, 11, Now therefore perform the doing of it, perform the uh, sowing of the seed, the giving of the offering, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. So they were ready if you read the whole passage, he says at one point, he said, you were ready a year ago. Remember that? You were ready a year ago. 
But now what's he saying? Now do it. You've been ready. Now's the time. Do it. Verse 12. For if there be first a willing mind, it is what? Accepted. According to that a man has, not according to that he has not. Do you see this great word? What makes it acceptable? A willing mind. That same term overlaps with phrases that talk about ready. Readiness of mind. You remember uh, what it says in Acts the saints at Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all readiness of mind. And so a bunch of them believed. Their heart was graced and enabled to believe when others did not because their minds were ready. They were ready to see it. They didn't just jump and swallow it until they had seen it, but they were ready to see it. And because they were ready to see it, their hearts were opened up and they were given grace and faith. Can you say glory to God? What made them presenting themselves before the word of God acceptable to the Lord to pour his light in and to bless that willing, ready mind? Can you see this, friend? Oh, this is big. It's bigger than I'm saying. I believe the Lord to unfold it. You know, a lot of these things can get inside you and just keep working later on tonight. Keep working tomorrow and the next day. Unfold in you. If there be first a willing mind, it's accepted. What makes you accepted? We're talking about getting in your place. Places and graces. Too many have had the idea... And actually, they want someone to pursue them and ask them and plead with them to help and serve. This is completely opposite the Bible. But this is the way many were reared and brought up even in church. I know one little church I was in years ago as a boy. It was common practice. For the pastor to plead with people uh, from the congregation to come up and lead singing. Come up and sing a special. Come up and do it. And people to sit back in the back and go, oh, pastor, I, you know, my throat's a little scratchy today. I'm, I'm just not prepared. You ever heard that? And a lot of times you could tell they really kind of wanted to. They just wanted to be asked another time or two. <laughs> There's all kind of folks. They want you to pursue them and ask them. And yet the Bible didn't say that the leadership is to pursue people. It says we are to come and present ourselves ready, available. Well, nobody asked me, did you present yourself? Well, I don't, nobody told me that they needed anything and nobody asked me it's not somebody else's job. It's your job to present yourself and say, here I am. You need me, I'm here. You don't need me, I'll be here when you do need me. <laughs> I'm here. I'm available. I'm ready. Wherever the Lord told you to be, whatever church or ministry or whatever people, making yourself available. I'm ready. I'm ready. I know particularly as my time gets more important, 
and you got more going on. You know the people I keep using? Ones I don't have to wait on. Ones that are ready. Let's go. Got stuff to do. And uh, the Lord has shown me even years ago, if somebody's heart's not in it, they're not qualified. No matter how talented they are. It's that willingness that makes it acceptable to him. And the Lord will take people that, that doesn't have as much talent and ability. And yet if they got a heart. I mean we see people that were on the street. Wound up at the banquet. Wasn't because they were such snappy dressers. <laughs> Wasn't because they had such eloquent manners. It was because they were. Available. And ready. And when they were asked. They presented themselves and said, yeah, when you want me there, I'm right behind you. Let's go. <laughs> when the Lord says, I'm ready now, what should you say? What's the only acceptable response? Help me out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Then, yes, sir, I'm ready now, too. <laughs> Where you lead, I will follow. Amen. And just that willingness qualifies you. Just that willingness clarifies you. The Bible says if any man wills to do his will, he will know. He will know whether the teaching is of God or whether it's of man, the scripture went on to say. Can you see this is you locking on to that being? And it's easier than people have thought. All you got to do is what? You got to be truly willing. And ready and available. And don't you know if the harvest is great and the laborers are few? If a man or a woman is truly, sincerely, from their heart, willing and ready, the Lord's not going to let you collect dust on a shelf somewhere. He's going to help you. He's going to lock on to you. He's going to lead you. He's going to direct you. But even if you make great progress and you develop, if you ever get to the place where you're no longer willing, you cease to be qualified. You'll begin to be lax and, and miss things, not be prepared. I know the Lord reminds me again today, Phyllis and I have been very blessed and privileged to be in some of the places we've been in and be around some of the people we've been around. I mean, I told some of my friends even years ago, I said, if, if Keith Moore doesn't make it, it's not the Lord's fault. He's given me every opportunity. And I've been in some really, really good places. But... He reminded me that we did present ourselves. I know uh, he dealt with us to present ourselves available to help the Hagans. And so we did. And didn't know them very well in the beginning, but helped in different capacities as we could. The Lord gave me uh, three words that was my directive for 20-some years. Help Brother Hagan. That was it. That was my directive. So when they needed something, my hand went up. I mean, I can't say that I had a vision, that I had a call to arrange books or go through process applications. Or I did some things I knew was not my call. <laughs> I, I just, I could tell I didn't have much grace for that. But I figured they're spiritual people and they'll see it too. And they did. And, and they, they moved me around another place and the Lord helped me. But that's not my job. The Lord said help them. And if they say they need help on this, well, that, I was there. And so we did that for years. And oh man, the Lord blessed us. And, 
And we were able to develop in our speaking graces and singing graces and some, and some other things Phyllis did in her administrative graces years. The Lord had us in the right places. And things were developing the way they should. And then we felt like that we should pursue the ministry God had given us. And, and I talked to Brother Hagen about it. And he released and encouraged me. And, and we all felt good about it. And we were doing some things. And man, had a, a full schedule. And, and I was off in a meeting praying. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, I didn't release you from helping Brother Hagen. I thought, huh? He didn't release me. Because I had assumed that since I was doing this and no longer working there or teaching in the school or an employee, that most everybody that went out like that, they weren't that involved. I mean, they'd come back and visit and be there for meetings. And but he said, I didn't release you from helping him. And man, I got to praying about it and seeking the Lord. And, and I talked to Phyllis about it. And it got to the point where I said, I, we can't miss God on this. We got on a plane. They were down in Florida in a meeting. And we went and found them and said, can we talk to you? And, and they said, uh, sure. And and we said, we know y'all got all kind of help. And, and uh, you know, we said we're doing other things. But uh, the Lord didn't release us from helping you. And if you can use us anyway, here we are. We'll be here. We'll be around. If you need us, we're here. If you don't, we're here. Presented ourselves. And man, the next, what was it, five, seven years, Phyllis? Some of the richest times, oh my, and fellowship and anointing and things but they didn't call us. Are you listening, friends? They didn't call us. They didn't ask us. The Lord didn't appear to them in a vision or speak a word to them. Can you hear what the Lord directed us to do? Present yourself. Present yourself. Now, if they hadn't used us, well, we would have done what the Lord told us to do. But present yourself. Be there, be available. And of course, it looked like they had everything covered. They had so many wonderful people helping them, and they still did. But they'd begin to call on us for this or call on us for that. And, and it worked out, and we were there. And you know, uh, I had people calling on me to speak in conferences and large churches and do this and that. And I'm, you know, toting his coat. Or I'm just sitting on the, the seat listening to him preach. And some of these stories I've heard 150 times. And, but uh, I knew that if this is where I'm supposed to be, I'm affecting the kingdom more holding this coat or driving a car. Are you listening? Than speaking before 10,000 people. Are you listening to this now? This is kingdom business, and I'm not in charge. And where I'm supposed to be is where he told me to be, doing what he told me to do. And, oh, friends, ah, how can you express it? The satisfaction and the things that happened here, the church developing as quick as it did and as wonderful as it did. Somebody said, man, that just happened overnight. God had been getting that ready for decades. And if we hadn't done those things, we wouldn't have been ready. Can you see this? And the big thing is none of it was happening at that particular moment when we said, here we are. We just presented ourselves. We're just available. Phyllis said, can I iron these clothes for you? Can I pick you up in the car? You know, I said, and can we do this? Can we? Aaron's, a lot of the stuff you would have thought was very natural. And yet it was spiritual. Because if it takes something off of somebody that they don't have to think about. Did you hear me? If it frees them up where they're more rested and can yield to the spirit better. It affects the whole ministry. It affects the word that goes out. These things are important. They matter. And God can get you exactly where you need to be. And it starts with this right here.
I present myself. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.